hit the trifecta on the recruiting trail over the weekend while Oklahoma softball hits a home run of their own. We'll talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer from 94.7 The Ref in Norman, you can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. You can also follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. And hey, if you are a Hawkeyes curious kind of a person, also go read his work over at the Hawkeyes Wire as well. He's managing that site after I lost him because of the great work he did over at the Sooners Wire. Josh, what's up, man? How was your weekend? Oh, it's great. You know, nothing like starting a week off with, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know if agitating the Sooner fan base is right, but there was uh, a little bit of some some more Carl Williams stuff out there, and I just felt the need on my Twitter account to go ahead and share that for the people to start this week, but hey, it was a great weekend, my friend. How was yours? The Oklahoma Sooners, I mean, we, we thought, and you know, one of the things I talked about on the radio show today, any more with a crystal ball prediction, if it's the day before the commitment announcement date, it's almost like an exact science. Now, it's not an exact science, and there are occasional surprises, but we kind of thought going in that it was set to be a really, really good weekend for Oklahoma football on a recruiting front perspective. And ultimately, John, that's exactly how it played out. But first and foremost, man, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was great. I had a great weekend, and uh... – I saw the, uh, the the tweet that you mentioned about, or the article that you shared regarding Carl Williams, and I and I think people would have found it eventually. So why not you? Why not share it and get the engagement? But it was quite interesting. Yeah, no, we had a great weekend. Did some swimming. I worked. I had a four day stretch at the hospital where I finished up on Saturday. So Sunday was a wonderful wonderful day of rest and relaxation uh, with the fam. But man, it the weekend really was topped off in the sports world for Oklahoma fans with the three commitments that they got first of all friday night came down caden green made his commitment to the oklahoma sooners the four-star tackle out of the kansas city area lee summit specifically uh, committed to the sooners uh, and really a very key commitment he's number two ranked player for the oklahoma sooners in the 24 7 sports uh, database according to just based on what oklahoma's got committed to this point and that was huge to the point to that point we had Joshua Bates. We had Heath Ozida, who we talked to on Friday. We talked to Joshua Bates a few weeks ago. And I think two guys that are probably being underrated at the moment have a chance to earn that fourth star in their senior seasons. But Caden Green, I mean, he's the feather in the cap for Bill Biedenboe to this point in the recruiting class. No doubt. And I was reading your work over at Sooners Wire where – you compiled that full list, which that's one of the beautiful things about 24-7 sports and Parker Thune and Brandon Drum and, of course, my brother, Joey Helmers over there at OU Insider. But the whole crew at the 24-7 Sports Network, they've got that 
full list of all-time commits that you can scroll through. And I was looking at your aggregation work over there on the all-time offensive line commitments list. Now, you know, you and I were talking before we started taping, Lane Johnson would be somebody that committed to Oklahoma in a different position, but say four or five-star commit to Oklahoma necessarily when he committed either. But it's interesting to kind of go back and look at that. And what did Caden Green wind up at? Number eight all-time, which the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings at least, uh, well, they go back to the year 2000. So Caden Green, across all of the different offensive line commits that Oklahoma's gotten, he's number eight on that list. So you just think about what his commitment means from that standpoint. And all of the other guys that Oklahoma over the years has gotten, John, that weren't thought of as, well, a Bray Walker, which we've seen how that's played out at Oklahoma. Unfortunately, it's just never materialized. So you're hoping that Caden Green, the fact that he is a highly recruited guy and with Oklahoma's track record for development, that, okay, this can turn into something great for OU and Caden Green. It's a huge get, obviously, for Coach Bill Biedenbaugh. I'm looking at some of the other offers, John, that Caden Green had. I mean, you went out over LSU. Obviously, you went out locally there for Caden Green over Missouri, but a who's who of, you know, some of the top programs, Nebraska, uh, not that they're winning a bunch right now, but uh, I mean, that's at least a, a name to think about and a regional name for, for Caden Green, Arkansas, Baylor, Florida, Georgia. I mean, there's a ton of different good programs that Oklahoma won out on here for Caden Green. So that was a huge commit to start the weekend. And it's the one that I think everybody's kind of been pointing to, uh, for this class. It's the one that I, I, was one of the more highly anticipated commitments. They've been in the Caden Green hunt for quite a while. And to see that actually come to fruition was huge. And you got to love also Coach Beatenbow's flex from the Bahamas, just posting the picture of how he's celebrating Caden's uh, commitment. That was just, uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> the dude just glow, grows more and more legendary uh, all the time. And then on Saturday, Another offensive line commit they get from Logan Howland from Princeton, New Jersey, uh, the 6'7", 280-pound offensive tackle prospect. The Oklahoma Sooners got that one over Iowa, Miami, Michigan. Again, a three-star player, um, only the number 45 offensive tackle. But you come out of a place like New Jersey, and it's not really considered much of a football hotbed. And so maybe this is one of these kids that's just flying under the radar a little bit because just not many people are probably up there scouring uh, the New Jersey high school scene for prospects. I really like his tape. And, you know, just that frame that you mentioned, he's obviously going to add weight to it. What is, what is it? Six foot seven, I think two eighty, And I mean, he's got room to add 30, 40 pounds to that frame and really be a big menacing, aggressive offensive tackle for Oklahoma in the future. This was a big-time recruiting win for Coach Bill Biedenboe from the, from the standpoint and the perspective that it flipped late for OU, the momentum in their direction. And really, a lot of insiders – I mean, you mentioned right off the top that, yeah, I am the managing editor over at Hawkeyes Wire. So Logan Howland was somebody that I really followed his recruitment very, very closely. And I can tell you, John, that on the Iowa beat, it was thought for a long time throughout Logan's recruitment, that he was going to be a sure thing for the Iowa Hawkeyes because of the relationship that he has with his high school teammate, 
in Iowa quarterback commit Marco Linez the third. They both play at the Hun School, but uh, obviously Coach Biedenboe and Oklahoma won out over that. And Logan Howland, I dig it because obviously, man, it, it, Iowa's got a great offensive line history. I don't want to disrespect Iowa in that regard, but just listening to even some of the comments that Logan Howland has made since committing, he's really betting on himself and his ability at a place like Oklahoma with a coach like Bill Biedenboe to continue to develop and get the most out of his career going forward. It wouldn't be the easy decision, right, to pick Oklahoma over Iowa, though Iowa has, again, a proud offensive line tradition. But that was a big recruiting win for OU to win out over Iowa when, again, a lot of people, as as recently as a week ago, John, didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case. Right, and you look at his offer list, and it's a who's who of college football powers, powers, Michigan, Miami, Iowa. I mean, Iowa may not be uh, the same prestige, but they're in the Big Ten, and they're kind of in that upper half of Big Ten you know, power rankings, generally speaking. And so that's a really solid football program with a really solid head coach that's done a lot of good things for them over the years. And so that is a huge win. I, I don't think we should minimize how important that win was because of who Oklahoma was going up against. And, and people might just look at the stars, but when you're competing against top schools for these players, those wins matter. Even if it's one that somebody that's maybe um, not as highly regarded as a Caden Green was. But again, you, you look at that list that we compiled over there at Sooners Wire from the 24-7 Sports database, and Trent Williams was a three-star. Lane Johnson was not rated. Creed Humphrey was a three-star. I mean, do the stars matter? Absolutely. But are they the be-all, end-all? Absolutely not. A lot of it comes down to the makeup. And a lot of it is where those three stars rank. And, and we're kind of getting off on a tangent here. But those three stars, sometimes it's just people not being highly recruited or highly evaluated where you know maybe they are kind of late bloomers. Maybe they just don't have enough tape, enough eyeballs on them over time. And so they don't aren't able to kind of develop that track record, develop that reputation that gets them a fourth or fifth star. But the talent's there. And so when you're, when you're looking at these three stars and you, if you trust Coach Biedenboe, then you got to believe like what he sees in them are players that can come in and contribute for the Oklahoma Sooners. Obviously not going to be in year one, but by year two, three, four down the road, these guys are going to be players on the offensive line for the Oklahoma Sooners. And that brings us to our final commit from the weekend and a, another one out of the Kansas City area. This is Adepoju Adebowari, the four-star edge rusher out of Kansas city. And it, it looks like Brent Venable is using those Kansas connections um, to help Oklahoma kind of create a little bit of a pipeline here uh, out of Boare, The uh, he's a top 100 recruit for the, for the 2023 class, the highest rated defensive player for the Oklahoma Sooners, number 12 edge rusher and number 98 overall. Sorry. He's Kansas city, Missouri. Um, and number five in the state of Missouri. So, again, another huge win. Miguel Chavis' first edge rusher commitment, and he gets a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Coming on the heels of some of those big-time flips that he had late in, in the 2022 signing class, when you think about Grayson Halton and Cavante Henry, and uh, I think I'm missing one in there that R. Mason Thomas. R. Mason Thomas. Yeah, that 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 would be the other name. So P.J. Adabore, a very very talented edge guy out of Kansas City. He looks the part. Six foot four, two hundred forty pounds. And again, a, a nice list of programs that Oklahoma was 
able to win out against again right here. Uh, obviously, again, the local tie with Missouri. You've got Arkansas on that list, Florida State, Georgia, and uh, up and down at Miami, Michigan, Nebraska, Oregon. So a big-time recruiting win for Chavis. And I think, you know, big picture, we have to we have to think about – and not that OU didn't land their fair share of some talented defensive guys under Lincoln Riley and the previous defensive coaching staff, but when you start talking about Brent Venables in Oklahoma and – Miguel Chavis and everybody defensively moving forward for the Sooners to get a talent like PJ Adabore into the program. They, they they can't be one-sided like they've been in the past. And we've thought that Oklahoma with Brent Venables, if anything, you you maybe at least the national folks, John, it kind of seemed like we're asking the question or we're worried, is Oklahoma still going to be able to recruit quarterbacks the way that they have? What is Oklahoma going to do about skill talent? Man. That's not ever been a problem for Oklahoma. We've seen in this class it will continue to not be a problem on the offensive side of the football for OU. The question for the Sooners has always been getting that similar talent on the defensive side of the football. And again, PJ is one more step in the right direction in terms of the blue chip department for OU defensively. Well, so you bring up a really interesting point here. And I have to bring up this this tweet from Mike Houck, the uh, – Associate AD for Strategic Communications and Media Relations. He threw out a tweet on uh, the 10th, so Sunday, which basically says, I want to read it verbatim, working on the OU Football Media Guide, and here's a little nugget. Since Bob Stoops' first year as Oklahoma's head coach in 1999, OU leads the nation in scoring with 11,809 points. That's 1,042 more points than the next Power 5 program. Oregon at 10,767. So Oklahoma's ability to recruit offensively, that goes back 23 years, you know, since Bob Stoops first took over the program, you know, you can go back to Josh Heupel and then Jason White, even Nate Hibble. Like they've been able to get really, really strong offensive players in the program. That's never been the problem. A lot of times it's just kind of putting it all together and being able to go on a a sustainable run to win that national title. They've been close several times. It just hadn't come together, you know, running into Tim Tebow where, you know, and the Florida Gator defense where the the offense just wasn't able to get much going against them. And then Tebow did Tebow what Tebow does. But this is a team that, and I thought about this the other day, actually, like this is a team that's always been able to recruit offensively. It's never been an issue. Um, Has it always been perfect? No, but it's hard to, put together a perfect offense year after year after year after year. But with Jeff Levy in tow, for however long the Oklahoma Sooners have him, hopefully for quite a while, hopefully he becomes the Brent Venables to Dabo Sweeney, the Jeff Levy to Brent Venables for a long time. Like hopefully we get Levy for like a decade or so before he's ready to become a head coach. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but one can hope. So yes, another big addition, uh, Adebuari, huge for the Oklahoma Sooners and for Miguel Chavis kind of gets the ball rolling on his 2022 recruiting class. Uh, just like Bill Biedenboe's really hit the ball out of the park and he's got several others that are going to be coming down the pipeline. And we know that Oklahoma is going to just continue to pile on the defensive recruits. What's interesting to me now is Oklahoma is up to, I think it was 11th in 24 seven sports team recruiting rankings, uh, second in the big 12 behind Texas. So we're kind of basically where we always are, right? Top 15, behind Texas, 
So are people still concerned? Are we still worried? I know you all here on the Locked On Sooners channel listening to the show, you haven't been worried. You've not been concerned about where Oklahoma ranked in the, in the team rankings because you trusted the process. You believed in Brent Venables and Bill Biedenboe and the offensive staff and the defensive staff to be able to put together a really good recruiting class. And we've still got, what, nine or six, seven months until National Signing Day in 2023. So a lot can still transpire. We think these guys are going to be 100% committed. At least they say they are at the moment. But a lot of things can happen. But I think a lot of big names are still coming down the pipeline for the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, that's the beautiful thing is Oklahoma's right now where – Typically, they finished or kind of right there in that neighborhood where they finished. Sometimes it's been a little bit higher. Occasionally, it's been maybe a little further back from number 11. John, they're not done. They're going to keep adding to this class. Dalen Smothers is going to commit to Oklahoma later this week. So that'll be one more you can toss up on the board. And then beyond that, you got some key offensive, defensive targets that you're hoping to add. And I think OU is going to continue to add a lot of those guys. So, yeah. Kind of like you said, I I like the way that you uh, surmised it there. Right where we've typically been. Texas has got the best class. Occasionally that's OU, but typically OU second. And they're right there knocking on the door of a top 10 class. So nobody panic unnecessary. Right. And Texas being one, Oklahoma being two, hasn't changed who the power in the Big 12 is for the last two decades. It's Oklahoma one, Texas two, not even two all the time. Sometimes too, but a lot of times middle, kind of middle of the pack. But Oklahoma, they're right where they need to be. It's going to be a strong recruiting class. They're going to finish top 10. I kind of made that prediction a couple weeks ago, but I mean, it's already coming to fruition. They're probably going to be in the top 10 by the end of July, I think, as you mentioned. But this is a team that's on the right track. Coming up next, the Big 12 media put out their power rankings for the preseason. I guess their preseason rankings, not their power rankings, preseason rankings. Oklahoma came in at number two, and we'll talk to you about that after I talk to you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the number one job spot for you as an employer to post your jobs. You can post free jobs in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And which NFL stars move the betting line the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at BetOnline. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. All right, Josh. The Big 12 media came out with their preseason rankings. The Oklahoma Sooners came in at number two. At number one was Baylor. Uh, Any surprise for you on that front? Yeah, a little bit that Oklahoma is not the preseason favorite, but let's call it what it is. Baylor is your defending Big 12 champion. Oklahoma was knocked from that perch after – 
a six-year stint atop the Big 12 Conference. And there is some some turnover in key areas at Oklahoma. The, the interesting thing about the Big 12 Conference, though, is, okay, you look at Baylor, and they're the defending Big 12 champion. Well, Baylor has their own key parts that they're replacing. It's not as though they're just bringing everybody back. Now, I think there's an opportunity there for Baylor that Blake Shapin take it over for Gary Bohannon at quarterback. I actually think there's a chance that the ceiling's higher there with Shapin in 2022 than what you had with Bohannon in 2021. So I get it. I, I like what Baylor, you know, you kind of look at the first team, all big 12 media teams that, that uh, we saw last week, both offensively and defensively. And what do you see? What's one thing that's synonymous on both the offensive lines and defensive lines? There's Baylor players right there. So clearly the media really thinks highly about what Baylor has both up front offensively and defensively. I think the media is impressed with what they've seen so far from Blake Shapin. And I think there's a ton of respect, obviously, for what Dave Aranda has accomplished at Baylor. So I don't have a big problem with it. There's questions with Oklahoma. You Though you have a quarterback uh, that in Dylan Gabriel has thrown for 8,000 passing yards, 70 passing touchdowns, he hasn't played in the Big 12 yet. So it's reasonable to me to just not automatically day one say Oklahoma's the favorite. If you're asking me, I would have voted probably Oklahoma 1, Baylor 2, Oklahoma State 3, Kansas State 4, Texas 5. So I think they got the top five right, but there would have been a little bit of a shuffling for me in terms of how I expect everything to ultimately shake out in the Big 12. And it was close. It was actually a pretty close vote if you look at you know what the Big 12 posted up on their website. Uh, Baylor received 365 points. Uh, Oklahoma, 354 points. Well, Baylor had five more first-place votes than Oklahoma. So probably what ended up happening, and you see quite a lot of first-place votes going down the line uh, between you know the top five or, or so, five of the top six schools each got a first-place vote. Oklahoma State got nine, Texas got two, and Iowa State got one. Uh, Baylor was 17, Oklahoma 12. And probably what happened is a lot of people put one of those other schools as first, and Oklahoma got a lot of second-place votes, probably the majority, if not nearly all, the second-place votes in the in the rankings. So they're they're close. They're just kind of right on the cusp, and I think the, the media still respects what Oklahoma is going to be able to do in 2022. But like you said, there are still some things that people are, are curious about, like how is this going to play out when you're replacing so many players that started for you on your defense, when you're replacing a couple members of your offensive line when you're replacing some of your pass catchers. Now, I'm not going to say that they were the best receivers on the team because they weren't. That's Marvin Mims. But you know, you do lose a Jaden Hazelwood. You do lose Mario Williams. You do lose Austin Stogner. So those guys are, are you know, at, we're assets to the team. And so there definitely are questions. At the same time, I think where they're ranked, it just shows the level of respect that people have for Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, Oklahoma as a program, and the talent that's still there. Because there's still quite a bit of talent just, regardless of what they lost in the offseason. And so I, I like where Oklahoma's sitting. I think between being ranked number two and having no first-team All-Big 12 preseason selections, aside from punter Michael Turk, who deservedly you know, should have received that, that selection, I think this is going to put a bit of a chip on their shoulder heading into the season, which is a good thing. I think like if you're a Brent Venables team being trained by Jerry Schmidt and you're coming into a season with a chip on your shoulder – from being ranked second 
and having no first team all Big 12 selections for the preseason, you're going to be very highly motivated come September 4th. Yeah, you know, from that standpoint, it is great news for Oklahoma. They didn't, outside of Michael Turk, get the but the one first-team member. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel won Newcomer of the Year, but the fact that he's not the preseason quarterback still kind of feels a little bit like a slap in the face. Oklahoma's not the preseason favorite to win this league, even though prior to last season they had won it six consecutive times. And, oh, by the way, the last quarter century, they've absolutely dominated this conference. So it's easy to play up that billboard material for Oklahoma. And you know what? I I don't know. You know, we get into this debate every now and again. Why has Oklahoma been a program that seemingly has performed better at times when less is expected of them and performed worse at times when more is expected of them? I don't know if that's actually true or – if that's just the expectations for each particular season, you judge a little more harshly or you don't judge as harshly relative to the expectations that you have going in. But I'll tell you this, one thing I do know for a fact, John, I don't mind it one bit from the motivation standpoint, the billboard standpoint for OU. I mean, since 2000, this has been the team that's for the most part kind of been the favorite almost probably every year. I I don't have it with me, but I bet if you looked back on – the big 12 preseason rankings, Oklahoma would probably be one, two or three, almost every single year. You know, there were several years where Texas might've gotten in there several years where Nebraska might've jumped up as well. But I mean, they've been a powerhouse for two decades and they're finally kind of taking a bit of a step back. I think that's not a bad thing for a program that's had such high expectations for so, so long and have been chasing national title number eight for so long. For them to kind of just like, like, okay, listen, we're not the favorite. That's okay. Like, we don't have to be the favorite every year. We just need to go out and do our jobs, perform on the field, take care of business, and the rest will take care of itself. And I think this is going to be a team that, you know, I, I feel like maybe under Lincoln Riley, we got into a bit of a front-running kind of mentality a little bit, like where we we played best when things were going great. When things weren't going super great, we didn't necessarily play very well at times, whether it was in the second half and the other team starts making a push, whether it's playing from behind. This is a team I think is going to have a little bit more grit and grind to it and isn't going to be bothered by some lower expectations. If anything, it'll motivate them a little bit more. Um, whereas last year's team, it seemed like, yeah, they were, you know, kind of uh, had a little bit of shade thrown at them with their first, you know, initial college football playoff rankings. And you've got a guy like Nick Benito out there saying, say less. Well, as the season went on, it didn't necessarily get better. And they dropped a couple late in the season to, you know, the two quote unquote best teams in the conference. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a team that I think is going to be highly motivated to get back to the pinnacle of the big 12, get back to the college football playoff spot. And the lack of recognition to go into the season with is going to be a great thing for Oklahoma. And any other thoughts on this uh, before we, uh, tell the people about bet online and, and get out of here for the show. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that like the media collectively is so spooked by this idea that it's Brent Venable's first year being a head coach. Right. And it's not as though Brent Venable's is driving my first vehicle, which was a 1993 grand prix. 
I mean, my man's got a Rolls Royce here. He's taken over Oklahoma in a very, very good spot. Yeah, there's some questions, but he has got an Oklahoma program primed and ready to go do what Oklahoma's done six out of the last seven seasons, and that's win the Big 12 Conference. So to me, it's very much we're spooked that Brent Venables is the first-year head coach. Ah, he's got to have one year as a head coach before he can start winning the Big 12. Heck no, he doesn't. He's ready to do that this season, and he's going to do that this season. Yeah, it's like if he was, to use your car metaphor, learning how to drive a car, and he had Dale Earnhardt Sr., Mario Andretti, and pick another legendary driver. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Not a big race car fan. You had those three guys teaching you how to drive a car. You're going to feel pretty comfortable about him taking the car out on the road if Dale Earnhardt and Mario Andretti and your favorite Formula One racer right now is, is teaching him how to drive. Because that's what he's had. Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, Dabble Sweeney. He's had three guys who, you know, Dabble will ultimately be there, but three guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Those are pretty good training grounds for a guy who's never coached a game. So I think we can safely say it's going to be okay with Brent Venables in year one. And the idea that it's just year one, I should not be a problem for anybody, especially considering who he's got to run the offensive side of the football as well. He's not got a rookie offensive coordinator. He's not got a rookie defensive coordinator. He's got a very veteran staff in addition to his experience as a defensive you know, play caller, assistant head coach. This is a very veteran bunch. You might worry about it with guys who are first-time play callers on the offensive-defensive side of the football, first-time position coaches. The only first-time position coach that I can think of on this team is Miguel Chavis. The rest of them, Todd Bates, Bill Biedenboe, DeMarco Murray, Kale Gundy, uh, Ted Roof, your linebackers coach, Jay Valai, your defensive backs coach, Brandon Hall, your safeties coach. A ton of experience, a wealth of knowledge in Norman. And so any concern about this being Brent Venable's first year as a head coach could, should be completely like thrust out of your worldview, out of your football worldview, because this is a very experienced staff with a very experienced head coach. Even if it's not at running a program, he's watched the some of the very best in the business for the last 30 years run football programs. And he's going to apply that to his football program now that he's got the opportunity to run one. Totally agree. Preach, my man. Preach. There's no reason to be this panicky over Brent Venables in year one. And yet, that is, I, I think, what a lot of our media friends out there, and nationally, the, the question that a lot of people have. And I think it's the hang-up with Oklahoma. They can try and pin the tail on the donkey, so to speak, that it's all these, you know, defections from Oklahoma and questions at quarterback. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's Brent Venables being a first-year head coach, and I think it's silly. Yep, and coming up next, we're going to just briefly touch on the uh, addition that Oklahoma made in the transfer portal for softball, and Josh is going to talk to you about Bet Online. We love Bet Online. It is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Obviously, right now is the season, Major League Baseball season. That's right. There are so many games to check out, to wager on every single day. I love that about Major League Baseball season. It's so much fun. If you're anything like me, you're about ready to start checking out, really taking stock of, okay, what are my best over-under win totals? What do these futures look like for college football? You can find all of that information out over at betonline.net as well. So head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more 
about the trends and the action. Bet online. That's where the game starts. All right. You're a softball fan. We're softball fans here on the show. The Oklahoma Sooners in the transfer portal have added Alex Tarocco. They've added Elena Torres. And they've added freshman phenom from the Arizona State Sun Devils, Sydney Sanders. Uh, she's coming over to Oklahoma and became official on Monday. Having led the Sun Devils in home runs with 21 and 63 RBIs. And, you know, hit a, a meager 425 in her freshman season in the Pac-12, no less. Man, it, it just boggles my mind just how much talent Patty Gass has been able to add in just a month since they won the national title. It really is. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to stop saying this comparison at some point, but it really is Alabama football at this, this point. And the reason I say I'm going to stop saying that is it's disrespectful to Oklahoma softball. This is just who Oklahoma softball is anymore. They are the most dominant force in the sport. And, you know, Arizona State, obviously, their head coach left to go to Texas A&M. So there is that angle there with both uh, Elena Torres and Sidney Sanders. There is that part of it. But all three, uh, Sanders, Torres, Alex Storaco, you want to go somewhere where, number one, you're going to have one of the best coaches in the sport. Patty Gasso is the best coach in the sport of college softball. You want to go somewhere where number two, I'm going to develop to the best of my abilities. And guess what? JT Gasso, Jim Rocha, offensively, defensively, uh, in the circle, those two are going to, in addition to Patty Gasso, develop me to the best of my abilities. I'm going to have a support staff, a community around me that's going to, you know, offer me a community of love and support. We know that that's here at Oklahoma. And oh, by the way, I got a great chance to win the program's third consecutive national championship. So why not? It's a simple, simple situation. If Oklahoma says, hey, we've got a spot for you, and you're somebody like a Sidney Sanders, you're somebody like Elena Torres, you're somebody like Alex Storaco, are you kidding me? I'm jumping on the first flight, baby. Where's my ticket to Norman, Oklahoma? And so you just imagine the lineup that they're going to roll out there. Jada Coleman. Tiara Jennings, Sydney Sanders, Grace Lyons, Alina Torres. Oh, and All-American Texas A&M Aggie, Haley Lee. She's in the transfer portal too. Rumor has it she was in Norman. Cannot confirm nor deny, but it was it's out there. I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago saying that Oklahoma should definitely pursue her. Uh, she hit a home run off of Oklahoma in the uh, College World Series. So that's definitely a name to keep an eye on here in the next couple weeks as well. Would be another great get, and look, it, it seems like if it's somebody that Oklahoma wants, it's probably somebody that Oklahoma is going to wind up getting. Just kind of feels like that's where we're at with Oklahoma softball to where the rich in Oklahoma, oh, they are bloody rich right now. They are just getting richer. Well, and I'm already looking forward to next season because you talk about the, the players that they'll roll out. I mean, Jada Coleman and Tara Jennings, they just completed their sophomore season. Uh, Riley Boone was a freshman. And then you have Sidney Sanders, who's also a freshman. And so, like, the talent kind of begets the talent, begets the talent. Like, it just keeps snowballing. And they've got a great recruiting class coming in as well. So, just a great weekend for Oklahoma athletics all around. And uh, so, I hope you've been paying attention to what's happening, not just on the football field, but on the diamond as well. Oh, and Cade Horton won, uh, was an all- named All-American freshman uh, for baseball. So, 
Again, big things happening for Oklahoma athletics all the way around. And thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Sooners. We appreciate every time that you listen to the show. Appreciate you subscribing to the show over on YouTube. We're free and available on all podcasts. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref and me at John Nine Williams. But until next time, we'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.